Welcome to Two Hypnotherapists Talking with me, Denise Billen Mejia in Delaware, USA. And me, Martin Ferber in Preston, UK. This weekly podcast is for anyone and everyone who would like to know more about the fascinating subject of hypnosis and the benefits it offers. I'm a clinical hypnotherapist and psychotherapist. I'm a retired medical doctor turned consulting hypnotist. We are two hypnotherapists talking. So let's get on with the episode. So Denise, here we are again. Happy Easter. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually a little bit earlier than our usual meeting. I know, these, I know. We're these still... dark days are, are so difficult. It's, yeah, well, <laughs> we're both bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Yes, yes. Got a few things out of the way already this morning, so... What are we going to talk about this time? Well, I think we had mentioned training. Yeah, but it was uh, something you raised, a question. What does it take to be a hypnotherapist? Yes, I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. Now, of course, a lot of our Discuss. listeners are <laughs> a lot of our listeners already are hypnotherapists, but in case anybody isn't, I think that would be useful. And it's also interesting, I think, to know what aspects of hypnotherapy are highlighted in the various training programs mm, so yeah. first thing i think we need to say is a weekend course certificate or a certificate for two hours off of udemy mm -hmm. is not hypnotherapy yeah. it's a great start it's a nice little appetizer for you to have a, an understanding who wants to plonk down four thousand dollars in case you're interested you mm. want to have some experience with it most people i think probably have been hypnotized themselves, have have been to a hypnotist and realized, oh, this is something interesting. I want to look at it further. They might be ready. And then but... they want to help others do the same. I mean, yeah. a, a quotation of our mutual friend, I can name her, Sheila, who uh, mm -hmm. she always, well, she frequently comes out with the expression, nobody leaves school saying, I want to be a hypnotherapist. Um, and a lot of our colleagues, um, for them, hypnotherapy is a second career. It's been a I think for the, for the vast majority, unless they come from a hypnosis family, mm. <laughs> um, uh, it doesn't, it's not on the radar. Yeah, you know? that's it. It's something people have come across at some point and thought, oh, I'm interested in that. And then they've explored and then they've learned and then on they've gone. Do you think that the other adjacent careers like counseling and and psychotherapists well maybe psychotherapist is but are those things on the radar when people are in college in school uh, are, are the careers counselors talk about things is it is it like when i was in school back in the dark ages <laughs> it was nurse secretary mother <laughs> that, was, that was typist was um, typing was about the only uh pre-vocational oh, oh yeah well that's i mean you're in a whole different thing there because even when i was at school um you know the girls went off to typing class in the hope that she'd make somebody a pretty little secretary one day there you go you know, yeah life has changed not that she so can learn this skill because one day she might be the ceo of a company you know well but, she'd have somebody type for it then yeah but, <laughs> but but do you think that career counseling has evolved past that and and now they actually look at more rounded things or is it general? I certainly hope so. But I mean, a lot of people in the wellness and well-being industry do seem to have gone into that later in life, mm -hmm. probably because their lived experience is a good asset to have yes. in, in the well-being industry, in the well-being profession. So um, what what is a, what sort of background is a good fit for hypnosis because that 
that I yes okay I'm I'm a retired doctor that seems like a sort of a natural progression oh, absolutely. Um, and and a lot of places for example Israel I know only allows physicians and um, licensed uh, psychotherapists to use hypnosis really yeah um it surprised me too <laughs> but uh what do you think about of the hypnotists because now both of us know a huge number of hypnotists mm. all over the spectrum which are the ones that you think oh i can see how they got from there to there well the ones that have done anything in the line of any kind of talking therapies you can see the natural progression sort of thing the, the, the natural link to want to do it i.e somebody who's worked in counseling somebody who's worked as you know a, a pure psychotherapist doing any other kind of talking therapy some therapists that have specialized in something like emdr for example but mm. i mean here's a funny thing when i when i went to um hypno college to, to do my thing after the first day i came back home um my partner said to me how was it? He said, was it like, sort of like really, because I, I was nervous. I haven't been in class for like 30 years. Mm. And I was a little bit nervous going there. <clears throat> Didn't know what to expect. and was expecting this competitive classroom atmosphere. And he said to me, how was it? Was it as you expected? I said, no. I said, everybody was really lovely. I said, because everybody wants to be a therapist. I said, it was a lovely, <laughs> lovely atmosphere. And it was all the way through. Um, mm. It was an encouraging and supportive atmosphere, not a competitive one um you know so i think that's a good indicator of what it takes to be a good hypnotherapist yeah well you definitely like need to like people yeah i think you need so. to understand them and I, I i do think your background is perhaps less relevant in terms of career to your lived experience as a person mm -hmm. for example you could have had somebody who um was a stay-at-home parent and hadn't had a job before but that had a, a lifetime of experience of bringing up X number of children and dealing with everything people have to deal with as a parent. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've said this before to you in a private conversation, the thought of being a parent and having to go to a parent's evening to hear about their child would fill me with horror. Now, you must have done that. You've got, <laughs> you know, you've got children. It feels most people with, oh, is it that time of year again? <laughs> <laughs> The, the thought of doing that, though, it would absolutely horrify me. Absolutely horrify me. Um, so I, I don't think it's down to necessarily qualifications, although obviously, you know, a mm -hmm. reasonable standard of education is essential. Um, but even somebody who's done perhaps manual work before helping people, did, mm -hmm. did a bus driver, why not? Mm -hmm. You know, they've dealt with the public all day long. They're used to dealing with stressful situations. Right. And very probably they're used to helping people mm -hmm. on and off the bus as necessary or whatever else is involved in that job. Plus a lot of patients um, and dealing with stress, driving all day long. How stressful is that? So how would you, if, if I were a bus driver, mm, okay, <laughs> which is highly unlikely since I don't drive, but, but if I were a bus driver um, and I said, oh, you're a hypnotist, that's interesting. Where would you... Where would you suggest if I were in the UK? Of course, I'm not. But if I were in the UK, where would you suggest I look first to learn more about it? To learn more about it, I would say, have a look, first of all, at YouTube, at mm -hmm. various channels that are, are run by practicing hypnotherapists, uh, emphasis on the word therapist in the UK, 
rather than mm-hmm. hitting the test where no disrespect to our stage show cousins that's not what i'm talking about though mm-hmm. um have a look at the channels operated by various hypnotherapists and listen to what they do see what they do see how they talk about their job and try and get a flavor for it and then in terms of actually learning it that's when you really need to do your homework there are that many different um places you can train with there are that many different courses there are some people who claim they can train you to be you know a fully quiet hypnotherapist in five days you know I, I don't wish to be disrespectful to any of those companies, but, you know, there's a lot more involved in that too. Well, the thing is, there's a practice, the, the actual learning of an induction mm. and the basics and some history and some ethics. I mean, there's, there's several hours of hypnosis adjacent information that you need to know. Obviously. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, um, but so if you're, if you, you can learn to do one thing or two things that mm. you could do to help somebody if they were willing to enter that journey with you. Mm. You would be able to do that, but would that make you a hypnotherapist? Exactly. Or in my case, a consulting hypnotist. Would that? Would, how many hours of time do you need with supervisory help to learn the techniques that you need mm. in order to really advertise to yourself to the public as somebody who can help with this thing okay well mine was over 10 months and Mm -hmm. that was a weekend a month for 10 months with all the work in between as well and there was an awful lot of work involved um my qualification comes out mine is a recognized qualification at level four so that's at diploma level um, right but i mean so what is the recognize what what's the threshold for being on the NHS register. Oh, on the CNHC register, you've got to. I, I assume to you, you, right? So you you can't do a weekend course and, no. and be recognised by your local GP as being a therapist. No, no, CHS. because I mean, for example, I'm on the CNHC register, um, and the the minimum standard to get on there um, is to have the diploma, like with the AFSFH um, mm-hmm. or the NCH one, that automatically qualifies you. But their level four diplomas. Um, they're recognized level four diplomas um, to get onto that register. That's the, you know, you need that. So do you feel that that is the level at which people should be working? We don't have a similar system here. We do have mm. some systems in place, but there's nothing that's federal. Um, but that that's, if somebody was asking you, how can I be a hypnotherapist? You'd advise them to look at the various programs that reach that level. Yeah, I would, I would, I would advise them to look at um, the, the different outfits that operate and offer something that is the recognized level four qualification because there are different mm-hmm. ones um i mean i train with cpht i'm more than happy to recommend them and i am very very happy that i did make that choice because since then i've looked at other courses that are, are available and i still think the one i did stands head and shoulders above the rest and i'm very very happy that i took that one um and no, I'm not on commission, by the way. <laughs> um, but okay. yeah, I know I'm, I'm really happy with the one I took because I felt it gave me the thorough grounding that I needed and it gave me the confidence from day one to go out there um, mm-hmm. and practice everything with absolute confidence in the full knowledge that I was fully equipped to deal with it. Right. When I was looking, I, truthfully, I was looking for price to some mm. degree because there are some extremely expensive courses out there and some that 
just their price alone makes you think, mm, is that real? Mm. $300 to be qualified as a hypnotist. Yeah. Mm, that sounds a bit odd. Um, but I looked at the length of time people have been in, the, the various schools have been in business and where their qualifications were recognized because mm. there are a few, um, there, there are several organizations, but the, probably the most well-known uh, in the UK, in the world is the National Guild of Hypnotists. That's part of the recognition is those are all words people understand. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's like saying, I'm at New York University. People don't really know what New York University is. That's a specified, but, but they know New York. Mm. <laughs> so, so it makes it makes sense. So I, I chose that ultimately to be my main certifying agency. Their requirements are 100 hours of mm. didactics plus clinical practice mm. um and that's their minimum with the exception of people who are coming in as you know doctors or psychologists who are adding that to their clinical mm. practice um but how did how did you get your initial guinea pigs when you were learning did you learn of with other students or were you no, we, we had to public. recruiting members of the public, real down to basic stuff, you know, cards in the mm -hmm. post office window, that kind of thing for volunteers, because you do it free of charge, obviously, mm -hmm. um, when you're training. Um, and yeah, sessions were supervised. You had to do full case studies on each how, one. How was your supervision? Were they actually physically watching you or did you record it or how did you? It was recorded. Okay. Um, and things were via Zoom. And also these days, of course, everything's back to face to face in the classroom now. So I would imagine that's how it's done these days. Oh, so they actually bring people in oh, to yeah. the school. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. My, um, my, I was a distance student because my school's in California. So okay. we went there when we went there for the graduation. We also had a lot of on hands, but we had Zoom sessions and uh, we had to. Obviously, the record keeping for each client was supervision. And then there was back and forth conversations about how to do what. Mm. Um, but uh, they have students all over the world and it's not very practical. Yeah, I mean, we, we were fortunate. Our supervisors were on call. I wouldn't say 24-7, but you could certainly get hold of them within an hour on a yeah. working day. And yeah. They would because. That was the other thing. Our supervisors and tutors are all practicing hypnotherapists as well. Um, so, yeah, you couldn't instantly get hold of them all the time. Obviously, they may have had clients of their own, but they'd, they'd always get back to me within the hour or so, right. um, which was right. great if you needed to ask anything. Um, but just, just going back to what you were saying about the other kinds of things people do that mm -hmm. you know, go with being a hypnotherapist, I can remember in my class there were one person was already she described herself as an integrative therapist and she did psychotherapy and she did um, some other things as well. And there was somebody else there that was a fully qualified counselor. I think they were up to about level four in counseling and others that were in a psychotherapy background. And I expected them to sort of say our course was a doddle or whatever, or that they'd already covered a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And they were equally sort of pleased with what they were learning on the course. Um, and valued it and said it you know it really complemented what they were already doing it added to it um because we did a lot of um neuroscience um a, a lot of the, the, the history of hypnotherapy of hypnosis 
um, a lot of the workings on the brain, all, all the stuff we did in terms of um, having to do all these different studies and learn them and be tested on them. Um, mm. You know, it's the, the actual learning and the ability to hypnotize somebody is a very small part of it. Yeah. Um, it, you know, we know it's therapy. easy. <laughs> we know it's easy because each of us, and most hypnotists I know who are ethical, we teach our clients to do this for themselves. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> it's not a difficult thing to do, but you have to, there's also the therapy part of it. Mm. I mean, I, I tend not to call it that because in the US, in some states, that can be a problem. Um, but but there's still, there's, there's the therapeutic aspect of the reason the person's in the chair. They're not there to have a nap. They're no. there to fix some problem. So you have to be able to address the issue that yeah. they have. And there's nine million different issues. Well, there's, there's several billion people on the planet. So for each of them, they can have an idiosyncratic issue. And you have to be able to think on your feet and you have to be able to know where to go with them. Yeah, absolutely. Before we started recording, you mentioned abreactions. Mm. Everybody who's a qualified hypnotist knows what an abreaction is, but would you like to define it for the general public who might be listening? Yeah, yeah. An abreaction is when somebody is in hypnosis and they have an unexpected emotional outpouring outburst um or some other kind of unexpected reaction to right. the hypnotherapy um, yeah. for for the most part what you see is either a suddenly bursting into tears mm. and and they don't have to be unhappy it can you could it's still a little surprising when it happens um and they're not they're not usually worried about it what can be a little alarming is they get um, they'll get up and start walking around the room mm. or or they have a, a physical reaction to the mission what's happening is is that it's triggering some memory somewhere deep yeah. in them and and they're responding to that and some people respond physically to things and so they they need to discharge that energy um the one that surprised me the most fairly early on and while i was still in training was uh, a person who was very kindly offered to be my my subject and we were he had real issue that we were talking about mm. and he suddenly went oh <laughs> out of the blue and and uh i asked him afterwards you know he said oh yeah it was it was just you know i just felt it <laughs> that there's again we've talked about this on myths but but most people remember their session they are not asleep mm. not everybody but most people remember things like that he stayed in in Hypnotic, in a hypnotic state yeah some places don't like you to call it trance i'm trying to train my my tongue to say something different instead of that word but, um it's part of the rebranding of hypnosis <laughs> i think <laughs> constantly being rebranded to try and get more people to to buy into the idea that psychosomatic is exactly what we say when we say mind body connection mm. <laughs> Yeah, um, of course, we, we, we mentioned that in another conversation, didn't we, about the word right. psychosomatic. People yeah. associate it with what? With hypochondria? Yes, yes. Or, oh, it's just in your mind. Yeah. Everything's mm. in your mind. Well, your mind's connected but, to everything. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the things that a weekend course isn't going to address. No. And if you're going to hold yourself out to the public. Now, like I said, I think it's great. It's also 
there there are little uh, little training courses that people do. Once you're a hypnotist, you may want to somebody. I've got this new technique I use, or there's this issue that seems to be coming up more often. This is what I do with it. It's CPD. You know, you yeah, go yeah. to these. You go to courses. These are just very short courses because you already know what you're doing. Well, that's it. We have to do continued professional development um and you know as part of our ongoing um professional development you you learn new techniques all the time maybe you learn you know that there are options out there to choose from it may be that you specifically learn some techniques which are more appropriate during pregnancy you can you can do mm -hmm. a full weekend course just learning that one specific more um discipline yeah, actually, the hypnobirthing is quite a few months of, of mm. they're, they're very strict. That is a particular course um, that was trademarked by uh, Mongan and and it's been around for a long time. It's one of the most common um, encounters with hypnosis I think women have would be if mm. they're offered hypnosis as part of their pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're very strict and they definitely have supervision. Um, mm. Um, I don't know. I think you can just train in that. I think you can get, you can learn and be certified as that without already being a certified hypnotist. All right. Okay. As I say, I only know what's available as CPD. You've got to do so many hours a year mm -hmm. to, you know, to carry on, well, to, to stay on top of the game, basically, to, to yeah, make sure you, keep, you, you stay maintain, as a, a top class maintain therapist. Your maintain your certification yeah so just just moving <laughs> on from what we were saying a few moments ago about the kind of people that make hypnotherapists or you know the background and this that and the other what about professions where they can add hypnotherapy to it you are a former well you still are a doctor but you're retired um but uh, i was thinking to myself what about where could hypnosis be added to the tool belt of other medics i.e doctors paramedics dentists i think I yes, dentists actually it's not uncommon for dentists to be made aware of it in school. Um not not that much. I've never gone to a dentist and been offered hypnosis no. as part of it, but several dentists I've spoken to have been, oh yes. I'm like, well, why didn't you ask? Um I think some of those things it is a little bit more difficult because you're you've got to obviously concentrate on the actual dentistry mm. to do that and and to have a client in hypnosis at the same time might be rather more difficult although i do know some dentists who do this how about equipping uh, the dental nurses with the knowledge exactly i think that would be an excellent idea i mean it'd probably be good for the dentist to learn anyway mm. um but but it is time consuming as we've just discussed not quite as long because some of it you can fast forward through because a lot of it is is the same you know that we all have the same duty of care. We all have the same do no harm. We all, mm. those those things uh, are are already baked in. Um, but I would think something like a, a paramedic here, yeah. an advanced advanced EMT. Um, so for those who don't know that term, we're talking about people who man ambulances and get very ill people to a hospital that may be a while away. I think it would be really useful mm. in an emergency situation. The, the staff of an emergency room, it would be nice for them to be trained, at least in a few of the techniques. Mm. But um, what, what they, about, uh, okay, what, what about this one? What about fire people, firemen and women? What about when somebody is in a car wreck and they've got to be caught free from it? They're going to be in the state of the most utmost panic. I, I think that's a, a great idea 
but I don't know how many of them would be interested. Mm. I, I don't think it should be made a requirement, but I think people should be encouraged to think outside the box. Yeah. yeah. Now, they may not want to take to be actually certified hypnotherapists and do yeah. the entire training, but it would be really good to have those short courses for those people, so mm. long as they weren't holding themselves out as hypnotherapists because they took a course, they'd likely get a lot of practice in helping people. But, it, but it, it's like equipping those people with some techniques in mental health first aid, for example. Mm -hmm. Okay, a, a lot of people are doing uh, what's a level two course in the UK, mental health first aid. Um, people who, you know, from all, all different kinds of industries and professions. I'm, I'm, I left England years and years, decades ago, so I'm not sure where level two is. Is it's that just like... an O level? Oh, okay. All right. Or yes, that would be. Days. Actually, I think it should, wouldn't be a bad idea to have not have an O level in in uh, hypnosis, but at that level of of at normal school when you're at fourteen, fifteen, hmm. would be the ideal time to introduce the subject to hmm. students. It's a great technique for when you want to study properly. Mm. And that's, yeah, you, I, don't, you don't, people want to be hypnotized when you're studying. You want your conscious brain to be aware of what's going on. But the techniques to help you relax, to help mm. you recall during exams, all of these things are very, very useful, be a wonderful place to be able to offer help and to teach kids about these things when they're going through those, those exams. A mm. lot of, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. <laughs> and uh, we could... Bypass the middleman, maybe some of the time. I've always found it confusing why, why I'm mean, just going slightly off subject here, but why those exams are always at those awkward years. <laughs> Puberty, <laughs> yeah, adolescence, like why, why throw exams into the mix when you've got all everything why, else going on? Right. Why, why, why throw? Sorry, such I digress. A huge, hugely important part of it will, will, will shape your future. It's that mm. huge. But you can recover, you can pivot and you can find what you should have been doing all along later in life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yes, I think it would be really useful, particularly in the emergency room, mm. um, particularly in the labor and delivery room. So I think it really should pose uh, form part of the training for doctors, dentists, mm. nurses. Because I'm thinking these people, um, let's just go back to paramedics. About, how about... Before we go to paramedics again, how about police officers? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially these days, because uh, you see so many documentaries on television where the police are themselves saying they're more like first aiders, they're more like social workers, um, you know, in community policing, especially, especially with the mental health crisis we've got in this country at the moment. The police mm -hmm. are finding themselves, they say it, they're doing more and more work that really should be the job of other people. Mm -hmm. uh, other departments even but I, i'm thinking to myself again just going back to to paramedics for a second they're, they're trained in um very skillfully trained in dealing with people where trauma is concerned for example to, to calm mm -hmm. them down to talk them down if as well as that talking therapy they were given the additional thing of hypnosis how to hypnotize somebody to really distract them from the situation they're in i.e. you know they've got a foot stuck between two pieces of concrete whatever i'm just trying to think of emergency mm -hmm. situations off the top of and my it, head i think it probably makes a few people not the hypnotist listening but the, the other people might think 
but that's such a high tension situation for someone. Why would they want to really, you know, relax? You can't tell somebody to relax, but actually it's probably the easier time to, mm. to use hypnosis because they've got so much coming at their brain. Their, mm. their conscious mind wants to check out. Mm. And that's, that's what it does. That's when the hypnosis would happen. I think it would actually, um, this is why I really, really wish I had had the opportunity to learn it before when I was working in the emergency room. Mm. All of these things, they've got so much that's happening, they, they're overwhelmed. And that overwhelm can be used to help them in the situation mm. instead of just making them feel more traumatized than they are by the actual injury. Yeah, I mean, um, again, you were in the emergency room. For our listeners and viewers who don't know, you were a pediatrician, so you specialized mm -hmm. in children. Um, yes. You must have seen some children in terribly traumatized states, you know, if they were coming in with a burn or been in some kind of accident or something yeah. else. Well, I mean, kids, most people, most people are frightened of emergency rooms, mm. <laughs> even, even quite grown up people, uh, because they're not in their natural comfort zone by definition. Mm. I, it's one of the things that you tend to forget as a medical professional that, you know, this is where I live, you know, 50% of my day of all the days of the year is spent mm. in this environment. So for me, walking into the emergency room is not terrifying. Guests, people visiting patients are often terrified of the emergency yeah. room. They don't know what's gonna happen next. And and it's, it's hard to remember as a professional that this is not somewhere that most people hang out. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> this, is, this is what I do all the time. So you have to remind yourself, and I think there, I can see a lot of, of situations where hypnotic techniques, not, not hypnotizing somebody, but the way that we use language mm. and, and helping to calm people down, just walking them through a breathing exercise, just allowing them to, when, when somebody has been told that a loved one is, has been hurt in an accident yeah. or is having a heart attack or any of the multitude of things that, that we have to tell them, some people have a really hard time. It is very traumatizing for mm. them. And I think that it would be a technique that I don't mean that, would you like to be hypnotized? But just the way that we talk, the way that we're trained to match the mm. other person, to help bring their breathing down to, to a better stage. All of us, yeah. Just to bring that level of anxiety down mm. without a formal hypnosis, but but to learn those techniques in formal training so that mm. you use them appropriately. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I think that would be, uh, I, I really do think that ambulance and medical people at the very least, and certainly dentists and, mm. you know, if, if the dentist is busy doing a root canal, then, then maybe his technician, the person who's handing him the instruments could keep up the patter and, yeah. and help them that way too. I do know quite a few, um, dentists who have used hypnotists off-site and will have patients come in with audios that they can listen to mm. um, and so they can use their audio to take themselves into hypnotic state mm. and go through the procedure while they're listening to that it's very similar a lot of dentists use white noise mm. a lot of dentists will have videos for kids particularly so the kids can become completely immersed in that video ignore what the dentist is up to 
Well, that's it. I mean, again, a form of hypnosis. <laughs> a form of hypnosis, a form of distraction. It's perfect. And, and, and you say it quite often, don't you, as, as children, that, that they're hypnotized little beings wandering around all the mm -hmm. time. Yeah, yeah, especially little ones. Yeah. So, where where do you see things going in terms of training professionals? Because I know, obviously, you are a doctor. Mm -hmm. um, how how would you put that to other doctors? Because I think you know other doctors well, would benefit. Yeah. Well, obviously, I I talk to all the I talk to I don't necessarily talk I communicate with mm. <laughs> by fax and email. You're sounding more uh, British as this recording goes on, Denise. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I get agitated or enthused about something, I tend to. Um, <laughs> I do get um, I do get in touch with everybody. Anybody who comes to me as a one-to-one -one client, mm. I need to know that their medical history too. I think it's it's appropriate, but it's also a way for me to tell doctors there's hypnosis too. Think about this. Um, and I am going to have a virtual summit next year mm. uh, because I want to start having this information available more in my local area. Obviously, it would, it's on the internet. It'll be everywhere. But uh, I want them to have that opportunity to realize mm. uh, at their leisure that uh, it's it's something that they should think about. Mm. Um, you have to be careful saying should to people. But, you know, it's a bit like... Get a lot of people. Why do you have to study the heart when you're going to be a foot doctor? Well, because it's connected, right? I mean, yeah, it's all connected. I mean, it should just it should just be part of general education for people in the medical field. Mm. So I'm going to start with offering this only to physicians, and then probably those physicians who are interested, if they want me to do a version of mm. that for their for their ancillary staff, I'll be doing that too. Yeah, um, but. On a global scale, I think we need as hypnotists to scream and shout and tell mm. people, pay attention to this. This is something that could be so useful. And it's been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It's it's not new. The science, the evidence is gradually building, but mm. nobody invented hypnosis. We just occasionally changed the name of the technique. Yeah, yeah. Be before okay. we wrap up today, though, something we've never mentioned on here in these conversations, Denise um you do that with a podcast myth magic oh, yeah. medicine which is aimed at primarily doctors physicians but what for other hypnotists who are listening to this and members of the public who might want to have more of an insight into what doctors talk about um i just thought i'd give it a <laughs> mention was, we've never mentioned it but that's very kind of you that one is all over the planet because whoever my guest is it's myth magic medicine two doctors talking mm. uh it is me talking to somebody else and it'll be what about whatever that doctor wants to talk about. So I've had mm. people talk about the use of intuition with the mm. place of intuition in medicine. I've had people talking about the need for change and licensing require not requirements, licensing questions for people with mental health issues, okay. doctors who have illnesses which are controlled who are perfectly capable of practicing medicine have to observate their history on the number of uh, in some states and so mm. um this it, it it's all over the place but it's interesting so please mm. listen yeah. in it's, yeah. <laughs> um in fact if you don't mind we'll add add a link in the show i will i'm gonna i'm gonna put a link on the end of this video for it actually because i just suddenly thought well, we've you. never mentioned it people you know yeah. I'm sure they'll find it interesting.
Yes, although I am beginning to think, you know, what do you do for a living? Uh, apparently I'm a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> Never so too late to start things... a new career, which brings us right back to the beginning of this conversation. <laughs> so true, so true. Yeah. <laughs> right, we're going to leave it there for today, Denise. All right. And uh, what we're going to talk about on the next one, oh, we've got one of our guests on the next one. Um, I can't remember who's coming up. We've got two guests coming up. Yeah, we've we've got lots of guests over the next few weeks on this. So uh, join us again soon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Please remember, this podcast is designed to give you an insight into therapeutic hypnosis and is for educational purposes only. So remember, consult with your own healthcare professional if you think something you've heard may apply to you or a loved one. If you found this episode useful, you can apply for free continuing professional development or CME credit using the link provided in the show notes. Feel free to contact either of us through the links in the show notes. Join us again next week.